Hey, it's Charlie, and you're listening to the Encouragers United Podcast. Did you know that there are five keys to business and career success and that you could learn to implement them into your life by reading the backstories of walk-on athletes? Megan Lightfoot, you know, a UCLA rower, she just said, you know, she, her hands would get blistered, you know, salt water all over. And she just said, keep your head in the boat, keep your head in the boat and keep, you know, keep rowing. And that's, I think, the attitude a lot of folks need to have, especially when they run into that obstacle. Run, keep going, keep going. Don't quit. Yes. Don't let it get the best of you. This week, I introduce you to a good friend and author, Jim Roddy. He's come out with a new book called The Walk-On Method to Career and Business Success, where he outlines the stories of 31 walk-on college athletes. One of those happens to be me. We have a great conversation about the five keys that he observes in these 31 walk-on stories that led to people's success in business and their careers. I hope you enjoy our conversation on the Encouragers United podcast. Since 1999, Jim Roddy has educated business and nonprofit leaders through books, national magazine articles, podcasts, and presentations at national conferences. Jim is one of the most popular speakers in the technology industry because of his style that is infotaining both a combination of informational and entertaining. An experienced executive and author, Jim has been featured as a guest on the Read to Lead podcast and has been published by Entrepreneur and NASDAQ magazines. Jim is a graduate of Gannon University in Erie, PA, where he was a walk-on member of the men's basketball team for four years and sports editor of the student newspaper. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Encouragers United podcast for this week. Thanks so much for listening in. I have the great pleasure of introducing a colleague, a good friend, uh, and author, Jim Roddy. Say hello, Jim. Hey, Charlie. Great to talk to you today. Jim, it's been great. We've been trying to set this up for a few weeks now since the release of your most recent book called The Walk-On Method to Career and Business Success. We're going to get to that in just a minute, but why don't you just take a minute and, and uh, I'll let you introduce yourself to our listeners. Uh, sure. Uh, so again, my name is Jim Roddy. I'm uh, born and raised and still live uh, in Erie, Pennsylvania, so Northwest PA, two hours north of, of Pittsburgh. Um, and I guess the highlights that I'll share that tie in with the book and from a career standpoint. So uh, I grew up in Erie and dreamed about attending Gannon University and playing on their men's basketball team. They were a small college uh, basketball powerhouse in the late 80s and early 90s. And I was you know, class of, of 88. And that's where I walked on. And I know we'll talk about that uh, a little bit more. And so uh, then uh, at the age of 23, I decided to go into business for myself and launch my own sports magazine. I had $6,000 in my checking account. And I look back now and I think that was crazy to start without any business experience and only 6K uh, and run a business. And then uh, it launched that and actually spun off a second magazine and then jumped into the world of IT publishing, uh, worked with a publisher here actually in Erie, Pennsylvania, and uh, joined them. And for 17 years, I worked there, moved up from managing editor to operations manager. And then the last 11 years, I was company president. And then for the last several years, uh, my gig has been serving as a business coach to executives uh, and aspiring 
leaders uh, focusing on the small to medium business space in uh, technology uh, solution providers. And uh, I work also as a vice president for the uh, RSPA, the Retail Solutions Providers Association. We serve those technology solution providers who focus on restaurants, retail establishments, uh, and uh, grocery. So that's kind of my quick career path where I got from uh, born and raised in the area to where we are today talking. That's awesome. You know, folks, Jim is, if you follow him, we're going to give you some opportunity to get to know him a little bit better and follow him on social media. Jim is one of those guys that I follow on social media. And I'd say probably about half of your posts because of my illiteracy in your field in IT and computers and you know that kind of stuff, I have no idea what you're posting. It sounds good, it sounds very uber smart, but Jim is one of those guys that, that uh, you know, posts stuff that is very um, rich, content rich, and is very helpful to those that are you know, in that field, but for us pastors and ex-higher uh, edu- <laughs> education guys have no idea what you're talking about. So I, I try to keep it half and half. Half that's that right. anybody can apply that's inspirational, instructional, and then others we're talking to uh, VARs and ISVs, which mean nothing to yes, most all, everybody. All the acronyms and stuff. So maybe maybe folks, and I don't mean that in a, in a critical way. I'm just saying you're just one of those smart guys that post stuff uh, quite frequently that I have no idea what you're talking about, but it sounds good. Um, you know, you've written, you've, you, you, you mentioned the magazine career and journalism, and is that kind of where you got the thought to write these books? You have two works out there that we want to talk about today, but, but how'd you get started in writing? Yeah, so good question. Um, I actually, third grade was the first time I ever tried like launching a newspaper in my little uh, grade school there, but I've always been in the communications field. I'm the son of uh, uh, two English teachers, and so you know, there was the right way to say there and there, and we always knew how to spell it correctly. So I was always kind of kind of rooted in me. Uh, but part of what the books are, it comes back to, I think, you know, the walk-on days, and then also being self-employed, of where you kind of had that, you know, I started off as a sole proprietor, and so it had that do-it-all aspect to it. Um, and that's what really, I think, kind of got me started from a communication standpoint and from a do-it-all standpoint. And then also just the, the stories that I told from the sports magazine, and then we also did in the, the technology magazine, were not to be dry and surface level and the same hackneyed cliches. We tried to tell people who were reading that. Even like going back to the sports magazine, they'd say, oh, I know this kid from Seneca High School, but they would read part of that story and say, well, I didn't know that about them. Like, I didn't know they had this health issue or this family tradition or things that they did from a charity standpoint. So my books ended up being more of, I guess, a longer, deeper version of that, of, you know, especially the walk-on method, really understanding the whole person. And especially when we see these walk-on stories now, you know, if anybody who's following ESPN or anything from a social media standpoint, point. It's this walk on and they tried their best and they finally rewarded a scholarship. And everybody's like, yay, that's the pinnacle of their life. And it was kind of like, no, that's only the beginning, right, of the whole thing, if it even gets to a scholarship uh, point of it. So that's part of what I was trying to uncover in the book. And what I've always tried to do for my communication is go deeper than just some of the surface level typical stuff uh, that you're going to hear and understand about a person because there's way more to them than what's just on the surface. Oh, you you said it. And, and, as, uh, and I know you as you mentioned, a, a former student athlete at Gannon, uh, my years, of course, at Western Michigan and uh, coaching then at uh, the Division II level as well. And, and then, you know, on to becoming an athletic director. Um, I've just been, about, been around sport my whole life. And, 
I just really love the themes and the way you've brought these stories to life here. I, I just a quick mention of your other work that was a previous uh, book, Hire Like You Just Beat Cancer. Tell us the quick story behind that work, and then we'll get into the walk-ons. Sure. As I mentioned, I jumped to an IT publisher when I was uh, 28 years old. And then by the time I was 32, I had been promoted to operations manager. But then I was also diagnosed with colon cancer at that point. And I had had the reason I got moved into operations from just an editorial role was because of my uh, success in hiring. And so I was hiring some good people. But I have to be honest with you, I didn't take that as serious as I should. You know, you always hear the cliche, your people are really what matters. And I was like, yeah, sure, fine. You know, but it's added to the list of, of other things I had to do. But when I was diagnosed with cancer and I had to be out for weeks with surgery and then only in and out when I was going through the whole chemo uh, process, it really made me realize that people make or break your business. And so don't mm -hmm. just hire good, hire the best. And so it really made me laser focused and learn from others inside and outside our organization the best way to build a team. And so that's what that book is about. I always say it's like maybe one part cancer, 99% how to build a great culture. Um, but that's really what that book, you know, the life experience of that was. I went through that firsthand and I tell people, I hope that you learn the lessons I did without having to go through the crummy year uh, that I had. And I guess I should also mention, because when I talk about cancer, anytime I have a presentation, I was 18 years ago, I'm 18 years cancer free and knock on wood, Every checkup since then uh, has been great. So God bless the doctors and the nurses uh, who took care of me. I'm Absolutely. really, really blessed to have uh, to have met with them. Well, and and I appreciate you saying that because I think that you know in my work even today I'm trying to encourage people that God can use all situations in our lives. And and, and again, for me as a person of faith, to understand that there's a purpose in in what we go through. And I just love this the to see that you you know, that you've applied it, that you're checking, you're, you're taking that experience and you're able to apply it to a, a real life practical experience or a practical, you know, challenge higher, like you just beat cancer. Um, and if I can just say, Charlie, I, I applied it, but then it also, you know, caught me like, so uh, with cancer, um, I, you know, colon cancer, you know, is a certain type of, of cancer. A coworker of mine whose mother was a GI nurse, and this coworker is just brilliant anyway, I had started talking to her in terms of, hey, I got this diagnosis, what do I do? I wasn't even really telling many people. And so she helped walk me through that, and we got closer, and she's now my wife, and we've been married uh, for 16 years and have a wonderful daughter. And so I always tell people, like, what did it take for me to finally land a date with the one of my dreams? Cancer. But who knew, right? Like, who knew that path was going was gonna to take me there? So, yeah, you can parlay anything bad into anything great. And uh, I certainly learned that uh, uh, through that struggle. Oh, I'm so glad to hear you say that. Thanks for sharing that. That's a beautiful story. And, uh, and you have that common experience. And so that's, that's, uh, that's really special. Um, you know what, for those of you watching on line, uh, the video, you can see that I have my copy of the walk on method and, and, uh, Jim, you've written this book. There's two copies of it. Actually, I see on your bookshelf behind you. And, uh, this, uh, is a work of, of love and of care over the last four or five years. Tell us really the impetus behind the book, how you got started with it, um, and then we can sort of uh, integrate into that how you and I first met, actually. Uh, but talk, tell us the impetus behind this book. 
Sure. So it ties in with the uh, first book that you mentioned, Higher Like You Just Beat Cancer. I didn't talk really openly about my cancer experience. And so a lot of colleagues, uh, you know, outside of my workplace didn't know that I was uh, a cancer survivor. And so one of them said to me, oh, now that I know that you had cancer, I understand why you're so driven. You do everything with a purpose. And I was like, well, I appreciate that. But I thought, I don't wake up every day thinking about myself as a cancer survivor. Like that was something that was more in my past. And then I started saying, well, what really drives me? And then I realized as I started examining that, that I attack cancer and my professional career the same way that I approach my role as a walk-on. And so, you know, I started saying, okay, well, what exactly does that mean? Like instead of just at a higher level. So I started jotting down the notes in terms of what did I do? And so I realized the behavior pattern that I established as a walk-on through all that commitment, hard work, perseverance, resiliency, it is the blueprint for professional success. So not just mine, but anyone's professional success. So started writing down those notes and I'm like, I want to share this with everybody. But then I realized no one wants to hear about you know, my bench warming days at Gannon University, right? Or my personal career advancement, they're going to say, well, good for you. Like anybody, you know, lucky for you. Uh, but how does that apply to me? So I decided to test my hypothesis and said, what if I interviewed 10 or 20 or 30 fellow former walk-ons about their experience and their professional path? What I learned that the walk-on method produced uncommon results for them. And as you know, Charlie, cause you were one of the people who I called and you lived it. Um, the answer is yes. An overwhelming screaming at the top of the lungs. Yes, that those things make the difference. And so while my path was different from yours and our sports were completely different, our, our you know, eras were different uh, as well, our situations were different, but the mindset and the skills and the behaviors that we developed and all these walk-ons developed and then the outcomes they achieved after college, they were all similarly, similarly remarkable. And so the gist of the book is ordinary people, even underdogs, and maybe especially underdogs, ordinary people accomplish extraordinary things when their energy is properly channeled. Now, the walk-ons, we were behaved to force, or we were forced to behave a certain way. We chose to do that. We chose to keep on going. And the book profiles 31 underdog athletes. Again, two of them are on this podcast right now. And it shows how one story at a time, how you too can become extraordinary. Absolutely. It, it, well said. And uh, But one thing I, I, I really want to commend you on is that as I read this, uh, I just was able to relive all of those feelings and all of those those challenges and the the college years. These eighteen for me, it was a five year career, you know, as a redshirt year and then four years competing. Uh, you know, there's such formative years to you know. Obviously, my high school upbringing, my parents, you know, my hometown. Those were all great influences over me. But by excuse me, by the time I got to college. It was sort of quasi on my own. I had to make my own decisions. I had to take responsibility for myself. You know, if I didn't want to go to bed, I didn't have to go to bed. And if I didn't want to go to class, I didn't have to go to class. And so, but the formative years is what you've captured here. And so athletics, which again is, is near and dear to both of our hearts, uh, is such a teacher, is such a master uh, at exposing who we are uh, teaching us valuable life lessons and skills, 
And, and so that's why my heart goes out now, even to those uh, folks who may be listening who are working in college athletics right now uh, with the virus and the pandemic and the challenges uh, that have hindered this great learning community, this, ob- you know, this, this opportunity for students in their college years to learn about life. And that's what it, that's what it was for, for me, you know, learning how to manage myself, to manage the circumstances. And so let's get to it. You have identified five key characteristics that uh, are, that make up this mindset of a walk-on. And so I just want to walk down through them with you. Uh, I love them. We could talk about this an hour. We're going to have to just give folks a taste so that they would go out and get this book. Uh, highly recommended. But the first one that you mention is you say, we have to take a big shot. Take a big shot. Tell us about that. Yeah, and the subtitle uh, or the sub, you know, topic is anybody can make a layup, right? You can say, oh, I'm just going to do this easy thing and think that's an accomplishment. But what happens oftentimes is that folks sell themselves short when setting their next career-related goal. And so instead of contemplating what they really want and then aiming for that, they just say, well, I'm going to play it safe. But the thing is, anybody can do that, right? So the thing is to take a big shot, to decide to be an entrepreneur, decide to do something on the side if maybe entrepreneur is too rich for you or you just don't have the money uh, to do that, but actually uh, make the effort to go do that. And uh, one of my favorite stories uh, from the the book is uh, Colleen Healy. She's in in chapter 10. And so uh, she's from Willimantic, uh, Connecticut. And so she accepted a scholarship to play basketball division two New Haven. And so she was the first in her uh, middle-class family to attend college, but she says New Haven is more of a default versus a, a decision. She wasn't a great student. In fact, uh, one of the employees um, in her high school said she'll never pass a class in college. But she had a great start as, as a freshman in basketball, leading her team in minutes played, second in points. But she said, I can do better than this. And so before the semester break, they got back from a game. She didn't even change out of her uniform, just packed everything in her clothes, drove home through a blizzard, and while she was driving home in a blizzard, her car caught on fire. So she hitchhiked to get closer to home. And then she called and told her parents, hey, I dropped out of school because my goal is to play Division One Power Yukon. Oh, by the way, the car is broken down and it's on fire, <laughs> by the way. And so when she finally talked to her parents and she, she said, her dad said, well, why are you doing this? And she said, I don't want to be 30 years old and wonder if I was good enough. So he said, I'm behind you. You know, he gave her that encouragement, that support that she needed. And so she ended up working a camp that summer at UConn. She picked up the phone, her rotary phone and called Gino Ariema, you know, Hall of Fame basketball coach. He wasn't at that point, but he is, he is today. And he said, well, at the best I can do is you can be a manager for a year and then maybe you can try out no guarantees. So she goes from being a scholarship athlete to sweeping floors, filling water bottles, turning on lights, but she made the team. She was a big scorer in high school. She worked on her defense and her hustle, rededicated herself in the classroom, and really became a key guard for them for some NCAA tournament teams. And after graduation, she decided to move south. Uh, she had never thought about leaving her hometown, let alone the state before. Moved south, pursued a career in medical sales, advanced to senior positions at two giant companies over 22 years. And then even with that, she's striving to take a bigger shot, left the medical field, become a consultant, and she helped co-found a leadership organization where today she speaks to corporations and student athletes all over the U.S. She has a great line where she says, you never know when your day is going to come, but you know if you don't take that big shot, your day is never going to come. So she just keeps on swinging. 
That's awesome. That's a great story. And, and we can read more about it in chapter 10, just like you pointed out. But take a big shot. Anybody can make a layup. Uh, I, love the, I love the image. Number two is make a passion statement. Prepare with passion. Practice with passion. Play with passion. I love it. Sounds like a coach, right? And, uh, <laughs> but tell us about this, this aspect of, of a walk-on. Yeah, and if there's a lesson, it's, you know, to, to uh, folks who are younger in, you know, or entering the workforce, or folks who might be frustrated in terms of, I'm not going after and I'm not getting really what I want. You have to do the work and earn your success. Don't just cross your fingers and hope that opportunity comes to you. It's that preparation, it's that practice that gives you the opportunity. So don't, don't wish your dream is going to come true. Oh, walk on to your dream uh, because these are the things that that walk-ons do and a great example of this and you, you kind of touched on this earlier when you have your choices when you get to college you could do nothing or you can really you know dedicate yourself so dave martin uh he went to cal state chico another uh, division two guy gotta love him um and he was he ran track for them but he wasn't your stereotypical you know uncommonly industrious high commitment walk on he actually said i just showed up in school because i didn't have a place to live anymore and he chose cal state Chico because had a party school reputation. He said he was just floating. But he said, you know, after living through that, he was like, I, I'd like to do something more. So he liked running. He was pretty good in high school. And he literally walked onto the track and found the coach. Where's the coach? Hey, coach, can I try out for the team? And he's like, I guess you can try. And so the head coach was Larry Burleson, a former Green Bay Packer under Vince Lombardi. And uh, 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 Dave described him as a combination of mean and grumpy and old, even though he wasn't very old. But he said, uh, this coach pushed him and he said, maybe I should try for once. Maybe I should start sleeping. Maybe I should start sacrificing and training. And he realized he wasn't putting forth enough effort. So long story short, as an athlete, he became three-time Division II All-American, school record holder in the decathlon, inducted into their Cal State Chico Sports Hall of Fame. But he also said, I can apply myself in school. Exercise science major really pushed himself academically. And he said, what if I became a doctor? Like, what if I set the limit for that? Like, I'm going to go be a physician. And he said, I didn't really think about myself as Dr. Material, but I'm like, yeah, why don't I try my best and see what happens? Well, today he's the owner of a medical center for um, advanced gynecology and women's wellness in Bristol, Tennessee. He's also an associate professor at East Tennessee State. Um, and he's also considered a pioneer in some bioidentical bio hormone surgery or something that I don't quite understand what it is, but it's very impressive for a guy, again, who was just floating and he decided, I am going to put in the work and see what turns out. And sure enough, he did and, uh, and very successful uh, in that regard. But it was that to say, I'm going to put in the work, I'm going to prepare, not just I'm going to cross my fingers and, and see what happens. Uh, it's, a, it's a great example of uh, what you and I, uh, you know, probably would call the West Coast culture, you know, just all uh, oh, relax, dude, chill out, yeah. man. <laughs> and uh, that's the kind of character that I read. And when I read that story is just the, uh, and, and of all things, close to my heart as a decathlete, that was uh, certainly not the way I approached uh, the event. But uh, he was probably far more uh, physically <laughs> gifted than I was perhaps to be, uh, you know, easing into the decathlon, but that's awesome. <laughs> um, number three, you've, you've identified this phrase, run uphill. It takes longer, but it'll make you stronger. Okay. Tell us about that. 
Yeah, so we're taught to avoid obstacles and seek the path of least resistance, right? When something gets difficult, it's like shrink, close your eyes, you know, get nervous and, and apprehensive. And so uh, running uphill actually comes from my younger days. I used to run road races and cross country. And you know, from running, when people get to a hill, they tend to slow down and just kind of trudge up that hill. And I don't know why I put it in my mind, but I was like, what if I just sprint up that hill? What if every time I see a hill, I just sprint like crazy? Well, not only did it help me advance uh, in the race, it kind of freaked out the competition. They're looking at you like, are you crazy? Like, what are you doing? And so what walk-ons did is they learned don't avoid obstacles, lean into the difficulties, embrace the obstacles and say, what can I learn from this? Because on the other end of it, they'll be battle tested. Again, your chapter, Charlie, you talk about being resourceful because you didn't have maybe the athletic ability. You didn't have the equipment, right? You didn't have the, you know, the, the comfort of being uh, dedicated to a certain aspect of, of what you did. And so you had to become resourceful and, and you came out better on the end. So, I mean, that's part of your story. The, the one that I would share is just from recent times in 2020. So we're all going through this pandemic, right? And so there are different ways that you can react to it is just say, well, right off 2020, no good. And you know, 2021 is going to be tough to, I'm going to write right off that as well. So one of the solution providers in the technology field that I work with, he's from Trinidad. In March, he, was, he, his wife, and their three-year-old were attending a conference in the Dominican Republic. And that's when the pandemic broke out. And one of them got sick, not from COVID, but they couldn't get back on the plane. And so by the time they were ready to get back on the plane, Trinidad had shut its borders. That was back in March. We're recording this in November. He still shut out of his country. All right, where most of his team is, but he also has a few other things uh, to do. But he said, you know what? I've always wanted to operate in Latin America, which means getting an office in Miami and setting up a practice there. And I'd like to have something in, you know, South Florida too. Well, since I'm out of my home, right, I might as well take that opportunity to do it. So that's what he's done in 2020 is built up his Latin American business, his South Florida business, instead of just crying about it. And I remember the first time I talked to him was on video conference. His son is there like sticking the cracker in front of the video thing. And I thought, I wonder why his kid is like right there in the room. And when he told me that story and he was very chill about it, you know, in terms of it wasn't the first thing he talked about. It was actually halfway through the conversation. I had to kind of pull it out of him. But boy, if somebody in that circumstance who hasn't been home for eight months, right, only has a clothes they live on, you know, out of their, uh, out of their suitcase. If he can go and expand his business during this time period in that situation, I don't see why we can't either again. So that's the kind of person who's running uphill, learning from the adversity and innovative, innovating during it. Yeah. And I think that's what you've captured in the book is that 31 of us, you know, that you interviewed, uh, the stories are inspirational. I think that's, what's so good about it is that, you know, like, and that's my story is like, I'm a Midwestern young kid from a small town and, and I had an experience and, you know, if, if he can do it, you know, I, why can't I do it? And, yes. and so I think that story just captures it that we, we, and I'll coin a phrase my mother maybe uh, taught me back in when I was younger, you know, you look around, there's always somebody has it worse than you. Uh, That's right. So yeah, yeah, okay, gives me perspective. But what you've given us in this is the the perspective from individuals who actually chose to run uphill. And, you know, I can, I can remember my days as a coach, you know, and, and in fact, right here in Canton, Ohio, we've got uh, a street, it's called Harvard Avenue. Uh, and any of my former athletes who are, who are listening now, you'll cringe because Harvard Avenue is at about a 3% grade for about a half of a mile. And it's very smooth. It's a nice old historical brick road but it's a, it's just slightly uphill. And I tell you what, we, uh, 
you know, met our maker on that hill many, many days. And, but it made us stronger by running uphill. And so, yeah, to be attracted to those obstacles, uh, there's, uh, I think another work out there right now in popularity that's, that's actually saying that the obstacle is the goal that, yes. that we need to actually face those obstacles. And that's the mindset that you've captured with almost all of these stories is that, you know, these folks, had to face the hill. And like you said, from your cross country and road racing days, they actually chose to sprint up the hills for that dual purpose, not only to, in some ways, intimidate their opponents, but, uh, you know, it, which alludes to this craziness of, of a walk-on that would say, well, you know, and I had many people in my life that, that after a hard day's practice and going back to the dormitory or going back home, I said, why are you doing this? Why yes. are you doing this? Yes. You know, they're not paying you or you're not getting any benefit from it. It's like, I don't know. I just, I, I will do this. I have to do this. So yep. that's well, awesome. And can, yeah, yeah. And there's a concept of, and I think we're going to talk about it a little bit, but Megan Lightfoot, um, you know, a UCLA rower, she just said, you know, she, her hands would get blistered, you know, salt water all over. And she just said, keep your head in the boat, keep your head in the boat and keep, you know, keep rowing. And that's, I think the attitude a lot of folks need to have, especially when they run into that obstacle, run, keep going, keep going. Don't quit. Yes. Don't let it get the best of you. I, I totally agree. I think we, we get away from it. We quit too early. Uh, we don't, we don't realize our own capacities. And, uh, and again, I'll throw this out there, but I, you just so amply, uh, even titled my chapter. Yes you can, you know, that's, that's my <laughs> phrase from coaching. So, oh, oh yes, you can. Exactly. Oh yes, right. you can. I know you can. Okay. Let's get to number four. You call it no fuss, all muss. And that's a capital <laughs> M U S. Tell us about this one. Yeah. So the no fuss aspect of it is control your emotions, especially the negative ones as you're seeking to advance your career, right? As you're looking to move up, you're going to get passed over for, for a promotion. You know, you might get, uh, ticked off that your pay raise was lower than what you wanted, but you just got to get over it. Get over yourself. Any amount of energy that you spend ruining your lot in life is energy wasted. And then all must, the MUS stands for maximize your unique strengths. And so most of the walk-ons that we profile, again, two of them on this call, were shorter, skinnier, slower, right? Than their more gifted scholarship athletes. I don't take offense to that. I hope you don't either. Like it's just the Not reality of what we did. Yep. And so the, we had to figure out the special ability and the attitude that we could bring to our team and then maximize the benefit, um, as a whole. And one of the uh, examples in the book is Paul Woodside. And so as a teenager, he had a paralyzing stutter, which really limited his opportunities socially and, and academically. So it's a summer of 81. He has graduated from high school, no college, uh, and he's driving from his home in Virginia to his sisters in Pennsylvania, which winds him through Morgantown. So he decides Morgantown, West Virginia University is there. He's like, all right. He totally ignored his impediment and his emotions, and he just walked into the WVU football office. This is in early August and wants to talk to a coach about playing for WVU. And so, you know, finally got it out to the secretary, and she said, there's one coach here. He struggled for 20 minutes to express himself and finally gets it out, and the coach says, well, I guess if you're here, let's go out on the football field, all right? So he's a kicker. He shanks his first attempt so badly. The coach is like, are you playing a joke on me? Like, did one of the other coaches put you up to this? Like, are you joking? Did you really have a stutter? And so – Woodside was like, hold on, let me stretch out. And then he started making his kicks. You know, again, this is a guy who gave it a big shot. And uh, the coach said, yeah, like you have a chance to walk on, like if you want to do that. So he goes up to his sisters, he calls home and says, I'm going to WVU. 
but practice starts on Monday. I need you to meet me there with my clothes. All right. So, but what he did over the years was he had an uncommon mental toughness and work ethic. He became a starter. He developed into an All-American. You think, well, how did he do that? Right. Was he just naturally gifted? So, you know, from a football standpoint, the specialists go and do their own workout. When they're done getting their work in, they usually hit the showers. But he would say, I'm committed to my teammates. Even if it was nasty weather, he would run the stadium stairs for two two and a half hours. And he said, boy, did that really build up the culture from a team standpoint? He said, you want to see guys block for a long field goal when they know that I've been running, when they see me running, like that makes a difference. So today he counsels prospective college and professional kickers. He's the owner and, and lead instructor for an organization called before you kick, but he, he, I love the, the tagline for it. It's seeing beyond uprights. So he trains people, not just on the technique, his real focus is helping them develop a special attitude, which is all what his chapter focuses on. And the title of his is, if you don't believe in you, why should anyone else? But again, in order to believe in yourself, you have to get over those emotions. You have to figure out what your unique strength is and really maximize that for yourself and really for the betterment of, of your team or whatever organization you're part of. You know, I'll put you on the spot here a second that something comes to my mind. What does that look like for the young professional that's working maybe their first job right now? Talk to that young 20, you know, mid 20 something uh, person. Uh, how do they, no fuss, you know, like don't complain. You've got to control your emotions, which is hard to do at that age sometimes, but all must, all maximizing my unique potential. What does that look like in real life for, for that young person? So that's a, that's a really good question. I'm a huge fan whenever I engage with somebody, especially a young person, um, you know, who's newer in their career. The first thing I talk about is critical thinking. It's not just, oh, I know something, I'm some genius. It's the steps of critical thinking. And those start first before you do anything, fully understanding the situation, fully understanding best practices. And then you start determining your outcomes and only then do you get to an action plan, right? You've got to do all that thinking and understanding and research first. So I'd say focus on gathering facts versus reacting or versus concluding. Uh, there's a, a great book uh, called Decisive by Chip and Dan Heath. And it talks about attain distance before deciding. Right. So if you're working with another person, instead of just reacting to what they're doing, ask some questions. Why are they feeling that way? Why are they doing that? Why did they make that decision? What did the customer say? What else did so-and-so say? Right. Get all that data out on the table and then you're going to make a much better decision. And that's also going to help you just having emotion rule what you do. And then when you get more data, you can say, well, how can I play a unique role in this as opposed to just guessing or trying to imitate somebody else? So that's what I would say is slow down. Once you start feeling those emotions, pause and start asking questions as opposed to uttering opinions or making some sort of a judgment. So it's kind of a slow down and start really uh, getting more data so you can move forward in the right way. Yeah. To, to be self-reflective, self-aware, and, and to move a little bit more methodically, you know, with, through a process. So that's very good advice. Awesome. Hey, number five, here's the final one. Make them throw you out of the gym. That's got to play out for someone like you in your days at Gannon. Tell us about this one here. Yeah, it's, it's never, ever, 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 ever quit. And I don't think like I need to explain that concept, right? It's, uh, you know, pretty straightforward. Um, but uh, 
you know, like my own personal story, it was I, when I first decided I wanted to walk on the team, I called up head coach Tom Chapman, who's a legend here uh, in Erie. And I was really nervous to call him. And he said, well, players get together before the October 15th practice and three o'clock at the rec center, they play every day. So that's where this whole thing starts. So I'm like, great. Well, I would show up and I'd say, hey, I'm ready to play. Well, they all knew each other because they were living on campus together. And, you know, you play who's good, you know, uh, winners stay on, losers have next. So I'd say, hey, I'll be one of the next. Somebody would lose, they pick up five different people, even in, if it was somebody who already played. And I would like never get to play. The only time I'd get to play is if they only had nine, right? And then I happen to be the 10th and I hardly ever got the ball. But I just kept showing up and showing up and showing up because I'm like, if I really want to do this, I mean, nobody talked to me, even when practice started. I didn't get a uniform, right? Everybody else had their practice jerseys. I didn't have one. I didn't have team shoes. I actually had a class that overlapped with when practice started on Mondays and Wednesdays for 10 minutes. And so I would get in my, you know, gear, you know, my own gear. I would sprint you know, from uh, my class in order to get in and, and have practice. And even before that, I would go in and see what the practice plan was. I'd stop by the office. And so I'd, I had all sorts of reasons why people were just ignoring me. The coach didn't even know my name, right? And so I had a whole bunch of reasons why I could just felt bad about it. And that's what a lot of our uh, walk-ons have as well. Alan Williams, I won't give the long version of his story. He actually has his own book that he wrote uh, about teammates. But he actually was told three separate times, you have been cut from the team. We do not need you here anymore. And he just kept showing up. Whenever they had walk on tryouts, they're like, what are you doing here? We're looking for a big guy. And he was like, well, I'm just going to play my tail off. And sure enough, he did. And they're like, we can't deny this kid being on the team. And so that's the whole thing is keep showing up, keep knocking on that door, keep making things happen. Don't take that one obstacle and go, oop, they said no. So I guess I'm done. Like keep moving forward until you get what you came for until the right outcome is achieved. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's, it's, um, I'm going to put you on the spot again, but what is it about um, today's perhaps younger generation? You know, you and I graduated the same year, by the way. So just to keep you know, we're two old guys now that we're talking about these youngsters. But what is it about uh, folks today that are in that age group that, that prevents them from being willing? to do that. I think I've observed that more in, 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 and again, I, I hate to say it's cliche, but I've, I've tried to coach young people to say, listen, you just don't quit. And they, it's, it's a fear. It's a block of some sort. Have you observed that? And, and what is it that stops people from actually being this gritty or this tenacious with, with like what you explained? What's the block? Well, I call it, uh, we live in a microwave society, right? When we want something, it's doot, 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 and it's, and it's hot and it's done, right? And the meal is all set for you. But the reality, and that just doesn't apply to making lunch or having a snack. It applies to a lot of things, especially when you see in social media, all these success stories are people who it seems like they just lightning strike of genius, right place, right time, you know, something just lucked out for them. And then people go, oh, I guess it took them only two steps and they had it. I've taken three steps. And so apparently this thing isn't going to work out. And so, you know, I always like the phrase, it's something like an overnight success story, 30 years in the making. That is the reality of most of the 
you know, success stories that we have. It's just the folks who make the headlines are really those, you know, outliers. And so people end up patterning and thinking like, well, I have to be an outlier. But the reality is the folks who don't make the headlines, they don't get all the attention. They're the ones who are doing the work. They're the ones who have made the decision to not give up. And not only that, they choose to like what they're going through. The harder it gets, they say, this is going to make me better. This is going to toughen me up. You know, I, again, I have a basketball background. And when I was coaching, you know, kids would be like, they're fouling me. They're pushing. And we're like, yeah, we like it when they do that because you can push back. Let's go. Like if they want to get into a scrap, let's get into a scrap. Let's have a physical game. And then, you know, some guy hits you hard and he's like staring over. You say to him like, do it again, do it again. Like that is a totally different attitude as opposed to, ow, my elbow hurts. Right. And so we're taught, take the easy way. And so I just think we see that a lot in media and our, our young folks see that in social media and, uh, and the folks who are, you know, elevated today, you've got to look underneath the, the famous people and look to the really successful people. Because um, fame is fleeting, as uh, John Wooden once said. So Absolutely. get away from the famous and look for the, the, the true successful people that I think, you know, were outlined in the book. Again, not to promote the book, but that's the reason I wanted to share this good news with people is this is the path to success, not what you see, um, you know, in the headlines for the famous people. Yeah. And maybe we're bringing it full circle, but but what you've captured is 31 stories of people doing those uh, five aspects that you've outlined that then produced the success or, or you know, the, the, the accomplishments and the, you know, the ease, you know, to coin a phrase, they lived like no one back then so that they can live like no one now. You know, I think that's a Dave Ramsey kind of thing. But um, mm -hmm. I, I so appreciate what you've captured here. Let's just review. Take a big shot make a passion statement, run uphill, no fuss, all muss, and make them throw you out of the gym. Um, Jim, what's on your next docket? You've got this in publication now, and uh, you have anything on the old drawing board right now? Where are you headed next? Well, the one thing I learned since this is the second book that I've written, I kind of learned the hard way from the first one. If it takes, you know, a hundred units of effort to write a book, I thought, well, then it's going to take 10 units of effort to market it and promote it. So if it takes a hundred, uh, you know, to write it, it takes about a thousand yeah. to promote it. So there's all sorts of work that I'm doing now to really try to spread the walk on method good news. But the great thing is there are podcasts, you know, like this that I'm able to get the word out from a digital standpoint. It's not like I have to, you know, travel anywhere to do it. But that's really what I'm passionate about is uh, communicating this message in whatever form it is. Uh, but I do have to say now that the word is out from a walk on method standpoint, again, I did all the work and wasn't very, you know, public about it, you know, toiling in the night quietly. I've had some uh, very successful walk ons reach out to me and say, if you ever do volume two of a book, let me know. And I think that list is now 13 individuals long right now. And so I guess I'm halfway to having the subjects uh, for a, a walk on method part two, if, uh, uh, if one is needed, but I've hey, really been gratified two. by yeah. the, you know, how the, how the message really resonates with people and they say, yeah, this is the key to success. So that's my plan is really to keep, uh, you know, spreading the word of the walk on method and making sure that a lot of individuals, both younger people and older folks who are maybe stalled in their career, that they can see, yeah, I can, I can take control of my career. Absolutely. Well said, my friend. It's pure gold. Uh, the walk on method to career and business success can be found on Amazon or wherever uh, you buy books. But Mr. Jim Roddy, 
Jim, tell us how we can best get in touch with you, social media or contact information, folks that would love to connect with you. How can they do it? Sure. The best uh, social media aspects would be uh, from Twitter. I'm Jim underscore Roddy, R-O-D-D-Y. Uh, but I'd say the, the best method is through LinkedIn. Uh, just reach out to me. I'm uh, you know, you can find, there's not a lot of Jim Roddy's in the world uh, out there, but if you do Jim Roddy and walk on, on LinkedIn, uh, I'm sure you'll be able to find it and just shoot me a message to connect with me. I, I just, just like a pro tip for everybody, never just hit connect, right? Like hit connect and send the personal message. So they'd have some level of context with it. So if you mention Charlie, if you mention uh, this podcast, uh, that'll help me know, okay, uh, any friend of Charlie is a, is a friend of mine. So LinkedIn oh, is the best way to get a hold of me. That's very kind of you. So Folks, go get a copy of this book. This would be an excellent Christmas gift or, or uh, you know, something to add to the library. It is inspiring. Uh, it's educational. It's entertaining. Uh, it's, it's an inspiring work and uh, really appreciate all the hard work that went into it, Jim. And, uh, and, and again, finally, just truly honored that uh, four or five years ago, you know, you called me up and said, hey, we'd like to, to do this project. And uh, so I'm honored and uh, glad to help you in any way that I can. Uh, but on behalf of all of us here at the Encouragers United podcast, thank you, Jim, so much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure, uh, Charlie. Glad to talk with you four years ago. Uh, glad to talk with you today. I'm Charlie Grimes, ex-athletic coach and exercise physiologist turned pastor, podcaster, and author. It wasn't all that long ago that I lacked the courage, the money, and the time to truly step into my God-given gifts, to encourage, teach, and lead people to a deeper and more fulfilling life. After many failed attempts and lessons learned, I now enjoy the work of coming alongside people, hearing their stories, and helping them to start where they are, take what they have, and do what they can. This work used to only be a daydream for me, I created the Encouragers United podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step -step teaching through both meeting new people and unpacking and the valuable lessons found in the Bible. If you're an ambitious leader, teacher, pastor, coach, or parent who's looking to make a positive impact in the lives of those around you, you're in the right place. Let's get this thing started.